<laughs> well, another guest on Acoustic Alternatives, live from Grove Studios. And Grove Studios is a great place. I have to actually show Aspen around a little bit. Uh, Grove Studios is a place you can put your band in. If you don't want to practice in your garage, you want to go somewhere quiet, it's not quiet when you're in there, but it'll be quiet for your neighbors. It's an awesome spot and very affordable, 24-7, keypad operation. And they've been hosting my podcast since I started doing it about a year and a half, almost two years ago now. And I'm grateful to them because without Grove Studios, I probably not, I'm not doing this. I was encouraged to do it by them. They said, we would love for you to do a podcast at our studios. Sure, why not? So here I am. So thanks to Grove Studios. They are a great uh, host of this this fine podcast called Acoustic Alternatives. And uh, this is a reschedule of uh, something that should have happened back in January. But it sounds like, actually, Aspen, this might be better timing because we're a little closer to the release of your forthcoming album. Most definitely. Thank you so much, John, for having me. And this space is really nice. And I may take advantage of it sometime when I'm back in town. I'll show you around after we're done. But Aspen Jacobson is a young singer-songwriter that uh, was turned on to you by some friends who worked with her on her previous album, Love Each Other Right. I will hold it up to the cameras so you can see what it looks like autographed. Uh, I have friendships with Brad Phillips, Rachel Davis, and Dominic Davis, who've all worked on this record. And uh, the, the fact that uh, they all saw something in you before I even heard of you says to me, oh, I need to be paying attention to what Aspen Jacobson's doing. <laughs> if they sat up and took notice, I also need to do so. So tell me a little bit about how you hooked up with those folks to work on Love Each Other Right. Well, I met, Rachel Davis at a music festival called Wheatland around four years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. And then I met Dominic, which is her husband. husband. And <laughs> I, I didn't really know that he was a producer. So we just, we kind of hit it off, talked for a while, talked about music. And I think it was my dad who was actually like, you know, Dominic's a producer, right? And I was like, really? And so then we set up a call and got talking and, it, he knew me so well. He knew what I wanted in my music and how I wanted it to be portrayed, what musicians I wanted, what feels to add to the table. And we really connected well on that level. And I think that's uh, hard for some people to find, especially their first producer, yeah. to be someone who's so understanding and you feel like you can really connect with. But that was how it was with Dominic. And I'm really grateful for that. That was amazing experience. And we're still working together. For the new record? Uh, yeah. So I went out to Nashville and we recorded some songs there. And now I'm going to be recording in Big Sky over here. In Ann Arbor, yeah. Yeah, in the next week or so. Awesome. So. Yeah. Well, that depends when this actually makes its debut on mm -hmm. <laughs> all the platforms. Oh, yeah. It could be today. <laughs> You're at Briggs Sky for all we know. <laughs> well, what uh, what an impressive resume they have <laughs> to, to even before they worked with him. I mean, Dominic's the bass player for Jack White. Mm -hmm. Brad Phillips I saw on stage with Stevie Wonder. I mean, I've seen him many times. And, but like first chair for a Stevie Wonder show. Rachel's just got the most amazing voice in the world. So you, you chose a good crew to work with. Yeah, they're all amazing. And I look up to them, especially Rachel. She was... One of my many inspirations. Yeah. Well, let's hear a song from the forthcoming album. It's just called Love Each Other. Or no, it's not called Love Each Other, right? Excuse <laughs> me, what's the new album called? I actually don't know <gasps> yet. So it's it's going to be, I thought first it was going to be a collection of singles, and mm -hmm. I was going to name it Singular Truths. But then the more songs that I wrote and the more I started recording, I was seeing all these different connections. So... Yeah, I They'll guess stay it. tuned for that. All right. So what's what's the first one? Shouldn't give a damn. All right. Aspen Jacobson on Acoustic Alternatives. Mm -hmm. 
because you missed it over eyes are haunting my dreams. Sorry. <laughs> yes, it helped me, but hurt my guilty mind. Now you're cleaning up your ashes and what's left of your pride. I shouldn't give a damn You think you love me But you fall in love too fast Not here to please you I got dignity and class And cry to your mama She'll just give you false hope song i think is going to be in your set for a long time to come <laughs> that's a great tune oh yeah and i'm glad it's not about me you shouldn't give a damn aspen <laughs> jacobson on acoustic alternatives and one of the songs that will be on the forthcoming yet to be titled album which could be called i don't know acoustic alternatives no just <laughs> <laughs> no don't do that <laughs> so most of my guests have a little farther back to go when we talk about their lives you don't have that far back to go but let's talk about where you've been before we got here uh, has Commerce, Michigan been your home your whole life or have you lived elsewhere? My whole life. Your I've whole lived life. in the same house my whole life. But I find that I've been moving around a lot lately, visiting friends from all over the place. I got a, well, I went to Interlochen Arts Academy mm -hmm. before I graduated. And so I have friends uh, from different countries, from different states. And I like to visit them and experience all these new cultures and diversity. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, life is consumed by music at this point before you picked up an ukulele and played in front of people at the age of nine what was life like like what did you do for fun before that 
normal kid stuff. I listen to a lot of pop music and classic rock. My dad loved classic rock. Now I have him on more bluegrass stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he picked me up from school and I went into the car and he's playing like Green Sky and I'm like, whoa, I love this dad. <laughs> this is the dad I always wanted. Yeah, no. <laughs> but um, I danced a lot. I did a lot of musical theater. I was just really into performing and performing for a live audience. So that's always been a huge part of my life. I did opera for a little while. Really? Yeah. Do you still do that at all? Not, no, not mm. anymore. <laughs> Is the voice capable of doing it? I don't want you to do it right now because it'll blow you up. But. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But I just, musical theater and opera, I just found wasn't the right way to go for me. It didn't really fit my voice. Mm -hmm. And I, I think my voice is pretty unique. And yeah, so I liked to write songs that I could make just for my voice, that I could sing just for me and for no one else. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So it seems like performing has always been like your destiny, really, yeah. quite honestly. Yes, most definitely. Good. I'm glad you found your path. I mean, I'm still trying to find mine, and I'm quite a bit older than you. <laughs> so <laughs> it takes a while sometimes. What was your first concert experience, and how did it shape who you became as an artist? Do you remember your first concert? Well, I, th I think I do. Well, I did a lot of open mics. And I remember I would, I would get up on the little stage that they have and I'd talk a lot. I'd talk a lot about the songs that I wrote just in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if the stories were very interesting, but I talked a lot about them. And I'd go up there and I'd sing my song and I'd get off the stage and I loved just talking to people in the audience. And so after I would connect all I could with the people in the audience and I kept on going back and I, I opened for Jill Jack, one of my mentors mm -hmm. in my early, early ages. And she really helped me with my confidence actually. And I didn't want to put on a CD release party. I was like, no one's going to come. And she's like, people are going to come and who cares if they don't, you know, you're going to keep on drawing people in hopefully <laughs> gotta start somewhere yeah you gotta start somewhere and so she really helped me with that and i i opened for her at the arc which was a huge i was there actually and they brought you, you on stage quite possibly yeah. i i did that a lot back then yeah well I, I loved the arc that was like where i wanted to see myself and so it was amazing to get up on that stage and it, it was a huge crowd so <laughs> yeah Cool. What about the first concert you attended? Do you remember the first concert you went as a fan? I went to, I believe it was Train in the Fray. I may have been at that as well. Really? <laughs> Quite honestly. I it think. was at DTE Energy. Yeah. And my dad and I w won some tickets. We, uh, we used our phone and we called when we heard on the radio. And my dad just got this like new Samsung phone. And he was like, you know, like this is going to work great. And it did. So we scored those tickets. Yeah. And we went and, yeah, it's a good time. Did that light anything in you as a performer? Like, God, I want to do that too. I mean, like, you're the kind of music they do and the kind of music you do are different things, but you still have to take it from experiences from seeing people at some point. Yeah. I mean, it excited me, but I think that was before I really knew that music was the path for me. I think what really hit me the most was going to music festivals. And we've, we've talked about this before, yeah. but, but Wheatland, in front of people. <laughs> yeah, Wheatland Music Festival was the first music festival that I ever went to. And to see all these 
performers, especially off stage at like one in the morning, two in the morning, still jamming. And they had these huge jam circles and I was invited to come and go on the outskirts and watch. And sometimes I'd play along with my little mandolin and I'd see performance on the stage. And I was like, wow, they're, they're real singer songwriters. They're talking about their music. They're talking about the stories behind their music. Mm -hmm. So it's more than just performing some songs for some people. It's a connection and storytelling. Fair enough. Pre going to Interlochen, you were in regular school, I assume, maybe. Yeah. I, so did did the people that you hung out with at school listen to the same kind of music that you did? Or I mean, did you find yourself in kind of a divide there? I feel like there was definitely a divide. I was like, no one really understands me. I had the musical theater group, which I enjoyed a lot, but I mean, it was very high energy all the time and I'm a little bit more of a laid back person. You so are. That was difficult too. But I actually I actually went to a grad party about a week ago and I talked to some of the kids that I used to go to school with and we talked about I mean what we did before I went off to music school and became this new person or this evolved me. Yeah. And yeah. That was really fun to go back in time but I feel like I've gone through a lot these past two years I think we all have. and yes I'm young but I've been through so many life experiences uh it, it was like college life for me I guess in a sort of way and you can see that in my music I've been writing a lot more activist music stuff talking about activism and I saw dark in the world and I saw more beauty in the world so I think that shows through my music and my songs i do hear maturity that is beyond your years when i listen yes. to your stories and your songs and so yes well done <laughs> thanks college thanks mom and dad i'm sure as well mm -hmm. <laughs> uh perhaps even the experiences i read something about you uh, being a hospice volunteer at some point which i imagine those are great audiences because they're captive and they're very appreciative yes did those experiences have any effect on your performing beyond there because that was probably pre-playing and Open mics, was it? I don't know. I don't know where it fits in the timeline. Uh, it was it was during the same time. And my grandpa, who uh, passed away a few years ago, he had Alzheimer's. And sometimes I'd come in and sit down with my guitar and I'd play him some songs that he remembered. And it's amazing how they kind of just spark up when you hit that one memory or that one song. And mm -hmm. Music is completely different, and there's there's tons of studies about it. It's super interesting about how music affects the brain, and uh, even when you maybe can't forget uh, your granddaughter's name, but you hear this one song, and it just takes you right back, and I think that's so beautiful. And so that's how I started getting into it, and I've played tons of old-time covers. So There is music therapy, something you might even look into when you're headed off to round two of college. We'll call it interlock and kind of round one. <laughs> uh, you're heading to, is it UCLA or no? USC. USC. University of South California. Southern California. Southern California. Yes. <laughs> I've never been there. <laughs> um, so perhaps they have something like that, that. I mean, if that really affected you deeply, it might even be something to look into as a, okay, not saying you're not going to succeed, but succeeding in the music business is very hard. So mm -hmm. having a backup plan, something that, you can make money at if this doesn't work out. And again, I think you've got the goods to work it out. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting across from me. But have a plan. 
just in case it doesn't, something else you would want to do. And maybe that's it. Maybe it's finding a way to bring people their memories back by yeah. playing music for them. And, and Most definitely. You can make a living doing that. It can be done. So it has to start somewhere. And it sounds like, um, from what I read as well, that your musical talent didn't come from like your parents going, hey, we're musical, you should be musical. Or, mm-hmm. We have records on all the time. I mean, it seems like it just came to you without any like nurturing from from your parents. Is that yeah. true? I feel like a lot of songwriters, especially my age, are like, music has been a huge part of my life since the get-go. And I don't think that was my case. None of my family or extended family is that musical. I mean, my mom took a few piano lessons and we had a piano in our living room and I would sit down and I kind of tap on the keys, but that was about it. And so I think it was mostly influences around me that I, I had to search for. I had to convince my parents to go to music festivals. I had to look up old videos of Joni Mitchell or James Taylor because I, I didn't know who they were. Mm-hmm. So I've, I guess I kind of found my own. My own path. When you, if you have your own kids, you will be the nurturer of the music in the kids then. Oh, yes. Most definitely. <laughs> My kids are going to have so many instruments. I'd be like, hey. <laughs> I just saw you recently at Trinity House in Livonia performing some of the songs that uh, you've got ready for this next untitled record. And one of them I wanted to ask about because it was pretty moving was Monday Morning. Tell me about that one. I wrote that about a year ago when I was at school. And I wrote it about gun violence. We had this one class called Space of the Table where we talked about all these controversial topics like religion, gender, sex. And one of the topics was politics and gun violence. And so I sat down and that topic really hit home for me. I remember as a kid growing up, well, I guess I'm still kind of a kid, but (laughs) I remember talking about lockdown drills and we'd sit in the classroom and they'd share scary stories and I remember some of the kids in the class would be crying and I would be scared to go to school some days and especially after drastic events or mass shootings and I feel like now more and more they're being treated like natural disasters because they happen so often that we're kind of forgetting them in a way and I mean, the Uvalde shooting was really recently, and I spoke about that at Trinity House before I played this song, but that really struck a chord in me, and the sad, the saddest part is every time I play this song, there's a new shooting to talk about, uh, so. I think there were 13 this past weekend that we didn't hear about. Yeah, from, I just said that many shootings since Uvalde, like, come on, really? I mean... Mm-hmm. We're in, we're in a bad spot. I mean, the worst thing I had to worry about when I was your age in school was a tornado drill. Mm-hmm. I never had a lockdown drill. Yeah. So your generation has been through a different thing than me. Yes. So the song is one I think you had planned to play anyway. Yeah. Aspen Jacobson's on Acoustic Alternatives. This is called Monday Morning. It's in a different tuning. I'll let you handle that. I'm not good at tuning. <laughs> It's usually when I do the intro, but... Oh. <laughs> 
Sorry. <laughs> you could have talked the whole time. Jacobson on Acoustic Alternatives, Monday morning, or morning mornings? Monday morning. Okay, it could have been plural. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably morning, O-U-R-N, not morning like, it is morning right now for yes. us. Okay. <sighs> Heavy song. 
Yeah. I'm glad you don't have, as far as I know, any personal experience with being, you know, involved with one and where you had to lock yourself down for real, mm-hmm. not, not just a drill. So. Goodness, but yes. every time I play the song, there's always someone in the audience that comes up to me after and talks about their own personal experience. And that really touches me and very hard it's to think about. Sad. Yeah. It's really sad. Well, thank you for doing that. And thank you for telling me the story about how it was written. Yeah. Um, Interlochen obviously would have a pretty big effect on your education, musically speaking. It's a great place to, to do that. I saw some video of you accompanying your fellow students. At Interlochen, we put together little clips of uh, you playing along with other people. And you've got, obviously, your own powerful voice and talent to uh, playing your own songs. But as a side person, how difficult is it for you to learn songs that aren't yours? It's one of my favorite things to do. Really? Yes. So whether it's doing covers and a little cover band at school, I've been in punk shows. Mm -hmm. I've been in... Motown shows, I usually play electric guitar or do background vocals, and that's really fun because it takes me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. I'm in, I do some jazz improv with the jazz kids. They're insane, though, so <laughs> I cannot keep up, but <laughs> it really helps me out. And from other songwriters and popular voice majors, sometimes I just am like, oh, come over, come over to my room and we can co-write a song together or I can help you make a part for electric guitar on this one song of yours and we just sit there sometimes for hours just playing and I think that's the that's one of the most like quality time things I have with some of my friends at school since we're all into art and we're all into music and it's wonderful to be able to share that because my friends at home, I love them, but we don't connect on the musical level that I connect on with my friends at school. Fair enough. Yeah. I've never asked anybody this, but what happens when somebody asks you to learn a song you don't like? Do you say no, or do you just learn it anyway? Because you can't like everything. I, I love music. I make it something I like, okay. honestly. If, if I don't like a specific way things go, then I'm... Hey, how about we how about we go to this chord instead of this chord? And Remember. usually it's like, oh yeah, that'd be cool. Because if someone asks me to play on their song, they usually know that I'm gonna bring my own style to the table. And that's just like session musicians. Whenever I, me and Dominic ask a session musician to come in, they always have this different kind of signature taste that they bring. And mm-hmm. whether it's something I like or something I don't like, I knew that going in and asking them. Fair enough. Well, watching that video also reminded me of something that, I mean, I'm carrying one around just in case you wanted me to wear one, but you had the mask during a large portion of your schooling at Interlochen. Yes. Did that affect, I mean, I, the students, I imagine it affected everybody, but like the, the relationships that you had with your fellow students, because you couldn't see their faces most of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I got really bad at like do, doing like the, the fake smiles. <laughs> so now when you talk to me, it's just like, my, my real expressions, you know? <laughs> yeah, you can hide. I, I, actually, I worked at a bank for a little while, which is not something we're going to talk about for very long, other than one coworker liked the masks because she because she could hide her actual expressions to the customers that she didn't yeah. like. <laughs> or I can just yawn in class all I want and not feel bad. Yeah, you know? right. Can't see that. No, one's, no one knows. But you kind of tough on your face. But on a serious note, I, th- I think it did. And I mean... I'm a very connective person. I really like to read people and read their body language. And mm-hmm. it's hard to do that without a mask. And 
I mean, thank goodness the mask isn't covering the eyes because then that would be a real big issue. But I also had to wear them for most of my performances. And so I learned. It's awkward because it sounds like this. Mm -hmm. But I I learned about a lot about breast support because it was a lot harder to sing in a heavy KN95 when you're belting serious songs on stage and be able to have the breast support to do that. Yeah, you're not a delicate singer. You've kind of got a big oh. voice, <laughs> which is a good thing. And again, another reason you're here, because you impress me. Uh, <laughs> the USC Choice as a college, why? What did they have to offer that nobody else had to offer? Well, it was between Belmont and Nashville, Berkeley in Boston, and USC in LA. And I adore Nashville, but I feel like if I was going to go to Nashville, then... I want to get my own apartment and just start doing gigs and co-writing with people. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want to go to school in Nashville. And so... It would be a distraction, I think, yes. is what you're trying to say. <laughs> and Berkeley's great. I went to their guitar summer program, and they actually gave me a scholarship to go to school there, uh, which was really nice of them. And I thought about it for a long time, but my primary instrument would be guitar, and it would mainly be guitar work, which is something that I wanted, but I also wanted something more well-rounded as a whole. And there were so many people that go to Berkeley, which is good in a way, but it's also bad because you're not getting that one-on-one help from professors. And at USC, there's only about six songwriters that are accepted every year. Really? And so I, I like small close-knit groups. I mean, that's what Interlochen was like. And USC also isn't just a music school. I mean, there's there's great business programs. I'm going to have friends who are lawyers, which is always helpful, you know. But I, I didn't want to be surrounded by music and art all the time for everyone mm-hmm. because then that kind of just consumes you. And sometimes you need people who just like bring you back to life as a whole and not right. just music. Well, as it has evolved in the years that I've been in the music industry, uh, me- being a musician isn't enough anymore. You need to be a business person. You need yeah. to know how to run your website and run sell your CDs or whatever you're selling. There's a gazillion things that go along with like being a good songwriter and a good singer isn't enough. You need to know how to run your music business essentially. And this sounds, this sounds really cheesy, but when I, got accepted to USC. It was my reschool, so I wasn't expecting to be accepted into the program since only so many people a year get accepted. And my dad and I were just like, well, why don't we Why don't we go on and visit? And so he came with me and we got on a plane. And when we got to California, I just, I kind of had this feeling that this was where I wanted to be and this is where I wanted to belong. So after we got off the plane, I was like, yep, I think I'm, I think I'm gonna go here. And we visited the campus. I talked to some of the professors, and that was amazing. Uh, Patrice Russian, who helps run the contemporary music program. Forget me not, Patrice is, Russian, the best artist who had a hit in the 70s. Dad yes. Saying yes. Amazing. Never mind. I'm not yeah. going to say bad. <laughs> but she's amazing, and cool. she reminds me a lot of Courtney. Kaiser Sandler, who teaches at Interlochen. And so I felt like it was going to be a great transition for me. And Courtney, Joshua Davis, mm. some of my teachers at Interlochen, they were like, you have to go here. You have to. 
And so I decided to. High five. Congratulations. Yeah, One of the only six. Nice for you. Yeah. So I also noticed as I was uh, exploring that you, your musical taste is obviously not necessarily what you perform. So you covered Tears for Fears. You covered uh, Cage the Elephant, which are you know, <laughs> nothing like what you do. I, <laughs> is there a time that you, you said you've, you've been in a, a rock band as a kid, right? You did some sort of a, mm -hmm. a school rock band. Do you think you'll always stay in this lane or do you think at some point you'll record rock records too? For myself, yeah. as a solo artist, it's always going to kind of stay in the genre of Americana. I mean, I'm really interested in blues now. It may get more bluesy or more jazzy, I guess, but it's always going to have these roots in in my opinion. Well, I, I don't really know. It's way down Sure. Ahead, but this is how I feel like I'm leaning. But on the side, I love to do other genres, and I think it helps me in my own genre and realize that, yes, I'm I'm on the right path, and mm -hmm. this music resonates with me the most and resonates with my life the most, but sometimes I just feel like getting on a stage and dancing around crazy and playing electric guitar really low... <laughs> But you're having fun. I, I am. Again, Loads of fun. I'm glad you found your path. I said that before, but I'm 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 just jealous, I guess. <laughs> how about another song? Yes. Tell okay. me about this one. As you're tuning, this is how you do the tuning, talking and tuning. Yeah. That's good practice, by the way. Thanks. So this one is called Escapism. And I also recorded this one. I recorded this one in Nashville with Dominic. Over over the break. And Fast Kaplan plays fiddle on this. And Pedal Steel, which is really cool. And Dominic plays upright bass. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. Yes, he is. And I based this song off of a fiddle tune, actually, called Kitchen Girls. And one of my life mentors, Bruce Lang, who was actually at that Trinity House show that you yep. saw, he taught me this modal version of Kitchen Gals, which I'll play before the song. But it was just like the perfect way to get into this song about escaping into dreams. And Won't you lay me down? 
right here on the ground. No, moving in close till nature chokes, and hear the bell sound right here. Music from Aspen Jacobson on Acoustic Alternatives. It's Escapism, correct? Yes. Since I don't have a song title in front of me, I have to try and do that from memory. Nicely done. Enjoyed that one as well. And thank you, thank you for playing that one, which is another one you did at Trinity House. Uh, I have to think uh, about some other things that I was I was taking notes while I was watching. <laughs> like, what else can I ask her about? And I thought, isn't it a little weird to have a job where you get applause? <laughs> Your job is to get applause, right? Essentially. Does that feel weird at all? It's a little weird, especially when I'll be talking or I'll be thanking people at the end of the show. And after like every sentence, there's always applause. I'm like, okay, well, the goal is not to make you applaud, but right. thank you. Uh, I do I do kind of enjoy the fact that it reminds me that they're in the audience though, because sometimes I get drawn into myself, especially in the song and the applause kind of snaps me out of it mm. or... A specific emotion. A lot of the songs that I write are very personal and very emotional to me. And so when I sing them, I get kind of transformed into this different reality where I'm put right back in that moment and where I feel those things. And I mean, it shows through my facial expressions and through how I sing. But for me, it feels like I'm in a different place, a different emotional place. And so that applause always reminds me to snap out of it and it kind of brings me back to my center and then I go into my next song I talk about it and I zone out a little bit there but then I come back so <laughs> it's another thing I noticed actually because some people don't don't master the art of talking in between songs sometimes it's really awkward and 
for your age, I mean, you did a great job anyway, but even just to consider she's only 17 and she's this good at the stage banter. Cause I remember seeing a favorite performer of mine who I'll leave unnamed and she was not good at the stage banter at all. I'm like, God, you're such a good singer and a great songwriter. Like, I don't know. I've never been on stage to have to do that stuff. So to me, that seems like you'd get that down. She's better at it now, but, um, yeah, I mean, for your age, high five again. You're doing great at that. You you give us a little glimpse of who you are during your stage banter, which is a really cool thing because in these intimate audiences, these listening rooms, we're going to connect with you better if we feel like we know you. So yeah. those well, are my favorite venues to play. Well, of course. I love having a connection with the audience and feeling like I know them, mm-hmm. they know me. Mm-hmm. And I think the goal every time I go out onto the stage is to have people feel something. And I, I think it, hopefully they'll feel more if I tell them my own personal experience behind it. Mm. And for the songs that I don't really mention my own personal experience, it's me kind of wanting them to attach their own meaning to it and focus more inward instead of outward. You also mentioned that you have a bit of social anxiety, which I would think as a performer is a negative. I don't know again, because I'm not a performer, (laughs) but it seems like that career path doesn't mix well. Uh, I didn't notice it though. I mean, as far as you saying you have it and me going, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I can tell. No, I couldn't tell. <laughs> it's, mostly, it's mostly with peers. Okay. Especially in school or in classes, if I have to get up and I have to have a pres- presentation or speak. But, I mean, songwriting and talking about myself and my own personal experience is very easy for me. Especially, I mean, since it's my truth and I'm just accepting who I am. And I think this is the most like therapeutic mm-hmm. work for me to go down because uh, it's me reminding that I have my own unique experience and finding understanding with my audience where I may not feel understanding in normal life just walking by people in the city but when, when I get up here and I share who I am hopefully hopefully they like it but if, if they don't also you know some people like it, and I like it. You couldn't give it, and him. it's it's my truth. I and I don't give a damn. <laughs> As you started by telling me, don't give a damn about me. No, anyway, um, I just I thought I found that confidence to say that out loud, and then like realizing that I, you're you've chosen a profession that not everybody's going to like you, no matter what you do. I mean, obviously, people that come to see you on purpose are going to like you, but you're going to play festivals, and people are going to go, Ugh, yeah. and they're going to walk away. I don't and, know why, but they will. And especially with my with my new music, since it's more controversial and since I'm learning more about myself Mm -hmm. and sharing more of my views and experiences I mean people aren't going to share that same experience and I have to be okay with that and accept it it's a great great maturity step Mm -hmm. actually that reminds me of something else you said you were talking about your song Georgia Boy and you said this song reminds me of my youth and I said what you are still your youth (laughs) like are you crazy because this is your youth kid I know. I don't even know what my youth is anymore. I'm too old to remember my youth. Uh, anyway, you can you can enjoy your youth and then reflect on your youth as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, you've mentioned some of the stages you've played. What, I, no disrespect to any of the stages that you've played, but which one is your actual favorite to play? <sighs> That's it's difficult because there's different... I know, they're all great. I, I love Course and Auditorium at Interlochen. No, actually, Kresge Auditorium at Interlochen. Sometimes I'd wake up in the morning at like 6 a.m. when no one's awake because we're all teenagers. You know, we don't wake up early. And I'd 
go out with my guitar and I, I go into the auditorium and it's this huge, gorgeous stage with these amazing, this just amazing reverb and it's all, the sound waves are all bouncing all mm. over the place and I'll sit in, right in the center of that stage and I'll just play music for about an hour or two and it's really loud so I do in the morning when not many people can hear me and be like, stop playing, stop practicing. But that's really fun for me, and so many amazing people have played on that stage. Just before my classes, I actually saw Molly Tuttle mm-hmm. and Old Crow Medicine Show play there. And Molly Tuttle is one of my She's great. really good inspirations, <laughs> and for guitar especially. And mm-hmm. so it was amazing to see her on that stage, and then me to be playing on it the next day, just sitting there with my guitar, trying to flat pick a fiddle tune, and right. be like, okay, Wow, like she stood in the same exact spot. That's cool. Maybe someday the Hill Auditorium in Ann Arbor will be a, a stage you could just stand on because I hear it has some great similar acoustics to mm-hmm. what you just described. So, and you can you can feel energy mm-hmm. in every room that you're in. You're like, I, I know, I know, someone played here. <laughs> <laughs> well, a friend of mine once said that she wasn't interested in winning at singing. How do you feel about the singing competitions that a lot of the people your age end up doing on TV? Does that, I mean, it probably doesn't appeal to you, it's, otherwise you'd do it. But. It's funny that you brought that up, because the other day my mom was, do you want to Do you want audition for The Voice? You're doing open calls. She she told me that yesterday, and I remember thinking about it for a second while I was watching TV, and then being like, no, no, that's okay. I don't really see myself as a singer, or as a guitar player, or even a songwriter. I kind of just see myself as an artist as a whole. I mean... I feel like it's just a part of me. It, I'm basically when I when you go to a show, it's myself that you're gonna see. It's not just a good singer or a cool guitarist. It's so much more than that. And so, I just I felt like it kind of put me into a box that I didn't really belong in. I don't think you need to go to one to succeed. I'm not saying this to say that, but you do have the diversity of the styles of music you've done, the rock, the folk, blah, blah, blah. Joshua Davis, do I need to say more about that? <laughs> and I mean, I I don't, again, I don't think you need to do it, but it wouldn't hurt you really because you it would, wouldn't. it would it open wouldn't. up an audience that would go, wow, who's this? And then you, like, yeah. jo- like Josh played big rooms for a while and I was back to playing the same rooms he was playing before, but with the respect and something on his resume mm-hmm. that looks great. So it might not be a bad thing, yeah. but I don't think you need to do it. Yeah. So I just, I was just curious where you sat with it. Cause I mean, you're kind of at that right point of your career where like, if I did this, it could make a big deal, but it could also like derail you. Cause I don't think you want to win those competitions. You want to come in second or third. So you still have control. Mm-hmm. That's what I've heard anyway. Yeah. And when I was younger, I went, uh, I auditioned for America's Got Talent with my little ukulele. <laughs> this was this was before Grace Vanderwall um was on the stage mm-hmm. on the America's Got Talent stage and yeah. won it. But I'd go in with my little ukulele. And that was always fun to see all these different uh, actors and stage performers and I I talked to them backstage and then I'd like get up there and play my little ukulele and we went through I went through a few rounds one year but that was that. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ahead in the summer, I know well, before that we recording this, we've got Nor'easter coming up. By the time this actually makes people's ears, that'll probably be behind us, depending on how mm-hmm. quickly I get this done. Um, any other festivals that you're playing? Any places that you're really looking forward to? Yes. Um, 
Well, I was going to be playing Wheatland, oh. but then since I'm going to USC, I, I just couldn't get back in time. So that was really sad for me because I, I love that festival. It's one of my all-time favorites. Nor'easter and Buttermilk the next weekend. And I think I'm going to be playing Otis Supply tomorrow. But, that's, I mean, this won't get out till then. But yeah, Tomorrow's behind us now. That's what I'll be doing. In the past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and what about the... The finishing up of the next record, is there like a projection I want to be done by September? I want to be done by December? Any like plans or you're just going with it? Well, I'm going to have to finish all my recording this month. Oh. And so, because I'm going to be in Pennsylvania and then I'm going to be going to California. And so I wanted to get them all done here in Michigan. Cool. And uh, not, not really. Okay. Really? Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure since we're connected, you will connect me with your new record because actually I pre-ordered it, didn't I? Yes, I did. Uh, AspenJacobson.com with an E-N, not an O-N, because there's different ways to spell Jacobson. Mm-hmm. is the best place to find all the awards and honors that you've uh, received over the years, which are plentiful. More congratulations. Gosh, you're doing great. Do you think you have one more song in you? I know it's morning. Oh. I know uh. you, you thought only three, but here I am springing four on you. You know lots of songs. Uh It doesn't have to be one of your new ones. It could be. Or it could be one you haven't even... Maybe it's the one you're recording at Big Sky next week. It could be. It's your comfort level. What are you prepared to sing and play? I'm going to do uh, a more emotional song that I wrote. I don't have any Kleenex. Dear Brother. Ah, there's a video for this one. And 
diagnosis That's what the doctors claim But they can only triple your dosage Your emotions kept at bay And it's just so damn hollow Where your passion used to live Go ahead and take another pill to swallow And I'm sorry that I wasn't a good sister I'm trying now but scared that it's no use And this canyon between us is growing bigger Oh, I just can't find a way back to you Look, everybody, there's that misfit kid. Look, everybody, there's that misfit kid. Look, everybody, there's that messed up kid. I said, look. I said, look. Dear brother, Aspen Jacobson on Acoustic Alternatives, a uh, beautiful tune that I'm afraid to ask about because I yeah. don't know if it's true or not. Is it all? It's all, it's all pretty much true. Uh, yeah, my brother has struggled with uh, mental illness, and I have too. And I wrote that song about having a loved one who struggles. Hugging you across <laughs> the table. Air hugs. Air hugs. <laughs> Who's working on the record besides Dominic with you? Uh, Dominic, I think, yeah, Brad is going to be playing this Excellent. next session, which will be fun, and I think it's just going to be me and Brad in there. I mean, Dominic's also playing bass, Pat's Kaplan, and Anthony DaCosta. Wow, really? A few songs, wow, yeah. Great. So that's going to be really cool. That's a That's a yeah. nice cast. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, thank you for spending time with me and letting me learn a little bit more about you and introducing you to fans of what I do. And uh, I don't think I need to wish you success because I think it's coming anyway, but I wish you great success in your career. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. This is a wonderful discussion and talk. Totally my <laughs> pleasure. Red Grove Studios, it's in Ypsilanti. And again, if you're a musician looking for a place to practice, get out of your garage and get into a practice space that is uh, affordable, or if you're a podcaster like I apparently am, uh, this is another place to do that uh, and don't have to do it in your home. A little bit more space, as you can see, and you can set up cameras like we did. And um, I highly recommend it. Grove Studios in Ypsilanti. Check them out online. And uh, thanks to Aspen and for being here. AspenJacobson.com for more information about her.